Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And today our special guest is Mark Sanders, who's a counselor for St. Raphael's Counseling. And our topic today is going to be a tough one. It's going to be pornography. So if you have young ones listening, I don't think we're going to get too graphic, but you may want to discern whether this is something they need to listen to. But Mark, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me today. So I know you were here once before when we first started uh, doing this radio show. We talked about addictions in general. Today we're going to be a little more specific, but you focus a lot of your counseling on people with addictions. Is that true? That's right. So I'm a regular licensed therapist, but my background is on addiction. So I'm a certified addiction counselor and have, I guess, about 15 years experience now working with uh, varieties of adolescents, families, adults around addiction issues. Have, have things gotten worse or things about the same? So you know, over the 15-year period, what have you seen in terms of addictions? Well, I think we're understanding as a field a lot more about the behavioral addictions, like what we're talking about here. And there's always been an understanding that things like gambling, sex, shopping is similar in some ways to things like cocaine, heroin, alcohol. But I think we're understanding a bit more about the brain mechanisms that play a role with that. So it seems like addictions are just expanding a bit more into other population groups. Yeah, and so for pornography, we were talking just before we went on air. The last stat I had seen, and this was just the other day, was that one in four uh, searches on the internet or for are for pornography, and you said you saw something with smartphones that was like one in five or right, something like right. that. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Imagine just everybody listen. Imagine how many times we search on the internet for stuff, and to think one out of every five or one out of every four is for pornography. That, I mean, that number's mind-boggling. Well, I think what what is mind-boggling as well is just when you look at the amount of money that's spent on pornography. So the numbers that I had for about five, six years ago, and it was about eight to $10 billion industry. So to put that in perspective, that was more than Major League Baseball, the NFL, National Hockey League, and NBA combined. Okay? Which but, is crazy. But only about 10% of the pornography industry is paid. So about 90% of it is free. So when you're looking at eight to $10 billion, that might be 10% of So they're leaving money on the table. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they get it through advertising and, and through some of these other things, but for the general person, and that's I think one of the things that has changed dramatically, you don't have to have people subscribing to sites. It's a lot of it is so free and accessible that that's one of the big changes that has happened, that it is just, it's morphed into something that you don't have to go to the dirty bookstore in the dirty part of town to get to. Right. You can access on your whatever phone. you want on your phone. It's in your pocket. It's there a thousand times a day if you want. And so our kids who have smartphones have access to it. I mean, some may have filters, but my guess is a large majority do not. And the filters can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And kids, as everyone knows, are very, very good at getting around those things, too. So chances are, if you have a kid with a smartphone, even if he or she is not necessarily seeking it out, it's pretty hard to avoid it altogether. Yeah. So we see the average age, 10, 12 years old, for the first exposure. And after that, 
who knows where we go. So how does how do addictions work for when we're talking pornography specifically? So say a ten year old stumbles upon it on the phone. We'll give them the benefit of the doubt that mm-hmm. they weren't looking for it. Mm-hmm. But then they start looking at it on a regular basis. How does that kind of take control over them? How does that addiction all just almost suck them in? Well, that's a pattern that you see with a lot of things. You see that with things like alcohol or with marijuana. Very rarely do people start very young going full force into it. Right. A lot of times what happens is that they, like you said, they stumble across it or they have some interest in it and then they look at it, but then they move away or they don't want to go down that road. But then depending on who their friends are, they start to get get sucked in maybe more and more. And then the regular addiction things we talk about kick in. So one of the big things with pornography is tolerance. So just like it is with any other substance. So with tolerance, the first time you see, I mean, remember back to the, remember back to the peaceful, happy days when Playboy was the biggest scary thing out there. Right. So what would happen is initially, you know, let's say you're a 10, 11, 12 year old, you see a topless picture of a woman. Maybe that was enough for a while. But then after a while, that wasn't enough. So now you needed to see maybe a, a fully naked woman. Mm-hmm. And that was fine for a while. But then you started to realize, well, there are videos out there. So now I can start watching videos. And then that was fine for a while. But then you find particular things maybe that you enjoy or that the, the kid is interested in. And then it becomes very easy to just go down that route. and. Again, that's where our internet plays a big role because no matter what you're looking for, you'll be able to find what it is. So how does that affect the brain of, a, of, of anybody, child or, right, a, or an right. adult? Well, the big challenge is especially the earlier you start to engage in any of these behaviors, whether it's any kind of addiction behaviors. Sure. Because what, what happens is the, the brain is not fully formed until you're in your early 20s. So what happens? My wife is, would debate mine still being formed. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's a little later for yeah. men. I don't know. Fifty, sixty years old. <laughs> I think sometime. Oh, good. Um, then it's right around the yeah, corner. So you you should be good pretty soon here. So, uh, but but the challenge is like very early on in life, your brain's not fully formed, and what that means is that the it, it's called neuroplasticity in the brain, where you start to actually get. Uh, just changes that happen with addictions that make it easier for you to bypass certain things to get more to the pleasure center. And one of the things that happens with that then is, is that that creates those, uh, those periods of tolerance with, uh, with whatever substance or whatever behavior you're doing. So okay. it just makes it easier and easier to, to get that effect. But like we said, that that effect only lasts so long and now you need more and more to get the same effect. You know, I was on the internet the other day looking, uh, you know, the death penalty is a big issue uh, that's been going on the last month or so. And uh, I stumbled across a short video by Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. It was only like four or five minutes long. And he basically was talking about pornography and how he started at a young age. You know, he came from a good family, he said, you know, Christian parents, his brother and sister. But the more he watched, the more he needed until the point where he ended up having to act out. And we all know his story. Right, right. Um, But he really blamed pornography for him going to the depths that he did. And and that's where it gets really tricky, too, because I I am not aware of many serial killers out in the last 20, 30 years 
who did not have issues with pornography. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean that just because you're looking at pornography, you're going right. to become a serial killer. Right. So I just want to make that clear. Right. <laughs> right. Not right. Everybody. So everybody calm down out there. Yes, everybody is uh, not... We're going to have a lot of serial direction. killers right. if that were Absolutely. the case. Yeah. But, but the problem is that for some people, it seems like it opens up that that direction. And I don't know if it's similar to what you see with certain people with genetic predispositions for addiction. Because there are certain people who, the first time they drink alcohol, their thought is, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Because there's something genetically about them that's going to lead them in that direction. Right. And it seems very likely that sexual addiction, pornography, any of the things we're talking about here, would have something similar to that. Where maybe Ted Bundy would have become a serial killer anyway, but this just opened up a direction for him to go. Right. And he realized it. I mean, it was interesting just listening to him. It was shortly before he was going to be executed. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't really have anything to lose there. But it was just an interesting thing that I happened to stumble upon. But, you know, like, like you said, not everybody's going to be a serial killer. But the more people partake in this this heinous act, uh, you know, it affects themselves. It affects their families. It affects their marriages. I mean, the effects is the ripple effects are huge, aren't they? Right. Well, and what you see is a depersonalization that happens, and and obviously in serial killing you have to have that as well. You right. can't see the people that you're killing as people. Right. You see them as objects. Right. And that's one of the big challenges with pornography is that it changes the way you view, like for for men. And and the reality is that men are the the biggest viewers of pornography. And right, predominantly, um, yes. It, and it doesn't mean that women can't be and that women aren't. Uh, but just shockingly, there are gender differences in the world, and men and women are, are there different. really? It's amazing. Wow, you, in this world, I would not have known that. You, anymore. you wouldn't think that, but no. men are much more visual. So for women, it seems like there's more like the quote unquote pornography that women have are more things like Harlequin romances are or like the the big muscular guy who right. you know wraps me in his arms and those sorts of things. Right, it's more. For, Romanticized, right, right. For for men, it's much more the visual piece. So you end up in these situations where, for men, they start to see women as not necessarily as other human beings, but you start to see them in extreme cases as just you know just body parts. Well, and that was one of the things uh, Pope Paul VI mentioned in Humani Vitae, and that was fifty years what last year that we celebrated that anniversary. You know, the objectification of women. Right. right when you get into contraception and all those things, then it's just for my sexual pleasure. And th- you're right; that's not a person; that's just an object to satisfy me. And and what's really interesting? So two years ago, I was in a Barnes and Noble, and I was just looking through the magazines, and there on the front cover of Time magazine was a big article about pornography, and. F- I was really surprised to see it was actually very anti-pornography in, in the uh, – I, I would encourage anybody who's interested to look this up. You could probably find it somewhere online. Oh, it's probably online, yeah. Uh, but, but the idea was that it wasn't being looked at from a moral point of view because I think people have said for a long time, well, if you're religious, you're Catholic, of course you're against these sorts of things. But there's, there's an awakening in the secular world too that maybe this isn't the greatest thing in the world. And what was happening is exactly what we were talking about before, with young men especially. And the phrase, I, I, I love this phrase, that they have been marinated on pornography throughout their It's got an interesting life. visual, but it, it doesn't it make is. sense. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, think about marinating something. You yeah. let something cook and cook, and, 
and it takes to get on to that the flavor. desired result. Right. Yeah. So now what you were and, and what got the secular media involved with this is that now you were having 18, 19, 20-year-old men who were in college, say, had their first girlfriends, they had a real naked female in front of them, and their body didn't work because they were so used to looking at the digital images hmm. that it actually affected some of their functioning. And that's one of the things that, that we see just with, with people who are, are very uh, long-term users of this, that it does affect that sort of functioning. So that's what got the secular world involved. Is, and that's the Viagras yeah. of the world and that sure. type of thing, right? So I you wonder why yeah. there's that many problems. Right. I, I can't now, imagine that that doesn't play a role in, in why there are 10,000 commercials about Viagra and, and other products like that. So there's money to be made even outside the pornography business. So right. Some people, unfortunately, have a vested interest to keep people engaged in this activity. Right. Um, again, even at their own detriment. Right. And the right. detriment of their families. And have you seen families destroyed because of this? Well, I've seen I've seen a lot of young people who really have struggled with this and it really shocked their parents. I, I had one mother who after she found her son, not necessarily just engaging in this, but then he got involved with apps where he was talking to other people and then he started sending uh, sexual pictures and receiving sexual pictures, which uh, I don't know in this world where we are with that. But if you're under 18 and you're sending sexual pictures in called sexting, uh, that's a felony. Right. That's that's uh, distribution of child pornography. Right. And you can be charged with that. You can be charged as a sex offender for that. So uh, this this mother, this this one particular one, said, "I I don't even know who you are." It really affected her dramatically in terms of that. Right. Uh, what I've also seen, too, is the role that that can play. And again, this is not everybody. If you are right. a man who uses pornography, it does not mean that you're a sex addict. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go have affairs and have these issues. But, but the likelihood is probably greater. It increases it. It yeah. increases that because for some people, some people are able to stop, just like some people are able to drink two or three beers and be able to stop. Some people can look at videos and be that's, that's all the farther that they go. But then with other people, it opens that, that can of worms into things like strip clubs and other things that can lead farther down the line to adultery, to affairs, to right. the things that really, really rip up families. Right. And just for people to remind themselves, and you brought up adultery, right? This, this is breaking the Sixth Commandment. When we're looking at pornography, we're objectifying women. This is the same thing as having an affair with somebody. Right. right. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're on the same uh, same wavelength with that. Again, you're listening to Respect Life Radio. Our special guest today is Mark Sanders. He's a counselor with St. Raphael's. I don't want to get too much farther down the road because we've gone pretty far. If people are struggling with this in their marriage, uh, their family, whatever, you know, their husbands, their children – how can they reach out to St. Raphael's, and what kind of help could you guys provide? Well, they can call us at our, our main number and uh, actually ask to speak with me. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, I joined uh, – well, different versions. We've changed our name a couple times, but I, I joined our Catholic Charities Counseling Group about two and a half years ago. 
And part of my job was to actually go around to parishes to talk about addiction issues. And I figured we'd talk a lot about marijuana legalization or alcohol. And everyone wanted to talk about technology and specifically pornography. Right. So I would be happy to meet with anybody to talk about these kinds of issues. So do you do you have your number or at least your web page that people can – I know they can go on the Catholic Charities website. Right. ccdenver.org. And then click on St. Raphael's and get the information. Exactly. That's probably the best way exactly. to do it. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, and we're going to be doing a big revamp of our of our website over the next couple months as well. But the information, the contact information is on there. So you could just call us with that. Yeah, because I don't know how many times I've been approached uh, by a wife who says, my husband's addicted to pornography. You know, our marriage is just spiraling down because he says he's over it. And then I catch him. Right. I catch something on his phone or I see him, you know, in the room in the dark on a computer. I mean, it's. I mean, for marriages, this is this is like a death nail, or can be. Well, it, it, and, and the challenge is. Uh, so Matt Frad, who I would imagine a lot of your listeners know who he mm-hmm. is, he uh, is a very good uh, Catholic apologist who has written and talked a lot about pornography issues. Has he described it better than anyone I've ever talked about? He said basically that you have to fight against the urge to see pornography as opposed to in the past where you had to fight to try to find pornography. Yeah. It is so easy and accessible now. And he talked about if you have a, a smartphone that there may be a thousand times over the course of the day when you are challenged by that, mm-hmm. by the, the fact that you have easy access to whatever you want. Yeah. And so get a flip phone, do, do something, right? Kind Some of people do not into temptation. Some kind people of thing. do. Yeah. And, and the problem is there are plenty of, there are plenty of blockers out there. So covenant eyes is, is one of the, that's the one of his, right? Math frads or something. I know he publicizes. That I, I, I don't think that's one of his, but I think he, he definitely he advertises focuses for it. Okay. Yeah. That. Um, there, there are a couple different Catholic programs out there for, for men or for whoever to, to participate. But, this is where the countercultural piece really becomes a challenge, because when you see the world, at least the way that the world is presented, I mean, even going to see a, a doctor, if you go to the doctor and say, boy, I'm really worried about my pornography use, unless there's actual problems with, uh, you know, with getting an erection or right. something like that, doctor's really not going to care very much, because the expectation is, well, every guy uses it. It's, it's no big deal. Right. So, I mean, Catholics are typically countercultural anyway, but this is absolutely a section where we are very countercultural. I've had several Catholic men who have struggled so much with this, and it's it's really interesting because they'll put apps on their phone that will ma- mm-hmm. that will keep track of were they successful or not per day, and they'll have all these different uh, accountability partners. They'll have all these different things, and they're going to such great lengths to try to to fight this. And meanwhile, everyone else around them is like, why are you bothering? What's the point? It's no big deal. Yeah, and then you watch a commercial in, you know, at a, ha- right. at a halftime of a football game, right. and you're right. basically almost seeing pornography on your TV. Yeah, I mean, think back 1950s, 1960s. I mean, married couples were not even shown in bed together on TV. Yeah. So when you got into the 70s – Think of I Love Lucy or any Absolutely. of those shows. Yeah. Absolutely. So how far we've come now with, with advertisements, with, with the fact – I mean, on Netflix, there are movies that have actual sex in them that are accessible to anybody very easily. Yeah, and if you have a subscription to Netflix, anybody in your family can watch right. it. Right. So, so that becomes the, the real challenge is obviously there are going to be temptations all around – 
and it's and it's different than it is with some other addictions. So, for instance, if you're dealing with alcohol issues, uh, you can not go into bars. Well, unfortunately, we've changed so many laws now. You can't go That's to right. King Supers. Either. That's right, because now they have full <laughs> and they advertise this oh, right gosh, all over the place. Yeah. So, but at least you have to make an effort to go to a place. Right. And the challenge here is that it's so easy to get it. So with any other addiction, what I talk about is trying to put barriers between you and whatever it is you're trying to fight. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't overcome them. I mean, if I'm trying not to drink alcohol and I just make sure I don't have any alcohol in my house, well, that's a step. It might take me five, 10 minutes to get to a store to buy it. But maybe during that five, 10 minutes, my brain can click in and actually- What are you doing? Right, stop stop you at that point. The, the problem with so much of this is that it becomes very, very easy to just fall into that. I mean, 10, 20 seconds after you get an urge, uh, and urges typically don't last very long. But if you can, if you can fight through it for you know, two, three minutes, find something else to do, that might be enough. But it becomes so easy to get it that it's, you can see how it's a slippery slope just going right down into that. Well, and we hear, right, you're not hurting anybody, right? You're right. in your room. The lights are off. Right. It's just you and the computer. Who are you hurting? Right. Right? I mean, that's that's what society says. And that's exactly what society says about a lot of things. Right. And, I mean, I think we as Catholics believe that just because you're, quote, unquote, not hurting somebody doesn't mean that that behavior is okay. And right. I think we can make the argument that you kind of are hurting somebody. Yeah. You're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your connection with your with your wife, with your husband, with your family. You're objectifying um, whoever, whatever you're looking at on the screen. Right. Right. And and then it just becomes very easy. I mean, we, we see what the impact of the sexual revolution has had on us. It was supposed to be this wonderful freeing thing. And uh, it doesn't seem like it's quite worked out that way. And so, you know, based on what you were talking about before, how good, even good, faithful men struggle with this. So instead of being freeing, it's enslaving. Yeah. And and the thing is, and I don't want people to also get the impression that, oh, just join the Catholic Church, join a church, do something, and that's going to save you from this. No magic bullets. There is no magic bullets. And in fact, the numbers that I've seen basically show about the same number of men in Catholic churches and men in Christian churches and men in other places uh, are about the same. So this is an issue that is seen, like I said, when I talk to priests and deacons about mm-hmm. what, you know, priests, especially what they hear in confessions, this is one of the big things that, that comes up. Yeah, and if you hear deacons talking about that in confession, you know that you need to report that deacon. Yes, absolutely, because they shouldn't there. be doing confessions, <laughs> that's right? right? Exactly. Yes. But you're right. I mean, I, I again, I hear it just for people coming up to me. And uh, so somebody's listening right now, they're struggling with this. What's the first thing they should do if they want to try to kind of conquer this demon? Well, I think that the first thing would be to understand what your triggers are and what your dangers are. So is it your smartphone? Is it the fact that your computer's down in the basement and you have the ability to get away from that? Is it the fact that you have videos that you've saved on your computer? Mm-hmm. It could be any of those sorts of things. Right. The, so the first step is, like I said, to try to put barriers between you and that. So if you have materials, if you have if you have videos, get rid of the videos. If you have magazines, you get rid of the magazines. If you have, uh, is, this seems so quaint, but if you have DVDs or Blu-rays of those sorts <laughs> of things, uh, you know, you you get rid of those things. You try to rid yourself of as many causes of temptation that you can, and that's the first step. And and. The challenge is that the prayer has to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. There has to be a, a – first of all, there has to be an awareness of what you're doing is not okay. Right. 
then the other piece is that there has to be an awareness that I have to go in a different direction. I can't just keep doing the same thing and try to, to fight this off, that there's going to be a challenge that is going to overwhelm you. It's not just willpower. It's not just, well, I'll just try really hard. Right. Well, good luck with that. I right. mean, if anybody here has given up chocolate for Lent, and we're almost a week into Lent, and we'll see how you're doing with that. That's right. Um, you know, the reality is that willpower is not enough for this. You have to build things in. And depending on on how difficult it is, you may have to do things like get an accountability partner. So I, I've worked with, a, like I said, a couple of young men who are in groups who actually uh, would, would put screener things on their phones or on their computers, and then the reports would go to somebody. I, I had a guy who the report went to his mother in terms of what websites he was looking at. So that would be a good one. If you, it depends on how deeply you want to want to go into fighting this. And but if you do want to fight it, to think you're just gonna, you know, if you've been doing it for years, to think you're just gonna quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Not that nothing's impossible, but it's highly unlikely. Right. You need the accountability factor, and I think that's right. the point you're making. And and there are a lot of really good resources out there. Like I said, there's some there's some great. Uh, if you just do a search for like Catholic pornography help. Right. Uh, there are a lot of websites. There are a couple programs that you can do that are uh, – I mean, the great thing about the internet – I always joke the internet is the greatest and the worst thing that's ever been invented. Right. In, in this case, <laughs> you could also use it for good right. because you can find programs where you interact with people across the country, across the world who are dealing with these issues, and you can get lots and lots of resources about it. And I, I think, too, it's just – Lining yourself up correctly with God, with going to confession, with the, the priest is not going to throw you out of the confessional. No, he's probably heard that once or twice. Things. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to do something about it. Yeah. That's the point, yeah. right? What's yeah. the action that you're right. going to do? And, and you have to keep, if you keep falling, which sometimes with, with sure. any substance use, and I mean, I consider this very much a substance use. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to keep going. You have to keep getting up. If you if you fall, you got to get back up again. Well, those saints are sinners that always got back up, right? absolutely, which is important. And then I think you need to ask yourself: Do I love pornography more than I love my wife, or more than I love my family, or more than I love my job? Whatever right. could be in jeopardy from watching this. Uh, so we have about a minute to go. So you can be reached at 720-377-1359 or ccdenver.org. So they can reach out to you. You got you. Do you still do presentations at parishes and that type of thing? I do. Yeah, I, occasionally I will do presentations. I I present, and this is very interesting. I present at uh, St. Mary's where I go to, to church down mm-hmm. in Littleton about um, for engaged couples. Okay. And somebody noticed that when they were talking about pornography, all the engaged couples were kind of leaning away from each other during the presentation. <laughs> so it's uh, it's out there. Well, it's out there, and it's it's definitely an impediment to a new marriage. So. To think that you're going to be able to quit this on your own or things are going to just work out, probably not happening. And marriage doesn't solve it. A lot of people think, I'll just get married and that'll fix it, and it doesn't. Well, I appreciate you coming in, Mark. Thanks for this information and uh, continued blessings on your ministry. Thank you very much for having me today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Respect Life Radio, and this is Deacon Jeff Bennett. God bless.